Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. really, for that matter, made a promise to God at the beginning of the year that I wasn't going to ever have the opportunity to get on a stage or to speak and not ask the discipleship question. And so I'm kind of throwing a ringer for the tech guy in the back, but can we throw that question up and just maybe spend a couple of minutes? So it's, what did God say to you this week as you read the Bible, and what are you going to do about it? If you'll just turn to someone next to you and go ahead and answer that question. And here's the thing about that question is like, when we ask that question, it's this incredible opportunity. One, it says that we're known by God because it says that God speaks to us through his word. It says that we can be known by others because we can share that. But also it says that we can know God, that we can read his word and know who he is. And so it's an incredible question. So let's just take a minute and share the question with each other. It says, what did God say to you this week as you read the Bible and what are you going to do about it? As we come back together, if you've got your phone or you've got your Bible, I just will be talking about it in a minute, but I ask you to pull it out. We're going to be kind of dancing around in Hebrews chapter 11 tonight. We're going to be looking at some verses in Hebrews 11. But just before we, we dive in and we take a look at that, I just want to, to share with you something that's been, and it's kind of the topic of this talk tonight, has kind of come from thinking through this and really wrestling with it myself. And um, you'll remember and you'll know that we're in our, our series of, uh, it's a year of prayer. So we're looking at prayer in all of our series across our sites. And we've been looking at prayer here over the last few months. And there was a series that we did, not at Central here, but in our other Ivy congregations a couple of months ago. And it was called Mountain Moving Prayer. And we were looking at how we should have the kind of bold prayers to ask God to move our mountains, to trust God with the big things as well as the small things. And that sort of series was based on one sort of story in the Bible. That was the inspiration for it, where Jesus performs a miracle, a healing. And his disciples are left wondering, why did we not have the ability to perform this miracle, to perform this healing? And, and Jesus says to them, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, and it would be done. And I've kind of been wrestling with that verse and with that story for the last couple of months. And um, as we're in our year of prayer, I want to talk a little bit about what faith means tonight. I love the opportunity to be able to get up here and to share some, some words that God's spoken to me, and I hope it's relevant to you tonight. Now, the subject that we're looking at is one that I've been thinking about for a while because, one, I kind of promised myself as well that I would write a book about faith. So this is me telling you now, the first time I've said it in public, Mary is going to be go crazy over this, but I'm going to write a book about faith. Please hold me to it. Hold me accountable for it. Um, and I've titled this talk tonight, Faith It. And I'd like to spend a moment looking at what the role of faith might play in our daily lives. Because if I'm honest, I haven't been the kind of person who's always had the sort of faith to trust completely in God. And we could spend all night talking about this as like a theological exercise or an academic exercise. What does it mean to have faith and how do we have faith? But actually, this question has real implications in our life. 
There's a guy named Norman Geisler who wrote a book a number of years ago called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And if that title's not self-explanatory to you enough, essentially the book is a list of all of these reasons why you don't have or shouldn't have enough faith to be an atheist. And actually, it, it takes this sort of argument that there takes an enormous amount of faith to actually believe that God doesn't exist. And actually, there's two sides to this coin, though, because this book, this apologetic book, which is an argument for the faith, while it takes a defense and a line, what it, what it essentially does is it argues that we can look at the facts and we can know from the facts that we can have faith in God. But faith is just not science. It's not a set of facts that we look at. It can be a set of facts, but faith is so much more than that. It's, it's our experience and our trust in God. Because when faith becomes nothing more than just weighing the evidence and coming to a conclusion, it actually doesn't really become faith at all at that point. You know, it's like just reaching a conclusion that you can be sure of, and faith is this much less tangible sort of thing. Now, the obvious implications here are this, that if we understand faith as not just this academic exercise, this theological exercise, if we understand that it has real implications for our lives, we can actually start to, to ask these questions about what role faith plays in our lives today. And as Christians, we should be the kind of people who support and foster this sort of environment where we can ask really hard questions about faith, right? I mean, that's, that's really been my experience of the Christian faith is, is that still today, there are questions that I have. And then I'll get assurance of those questions, but they'll be left with another question. And that's okay. That's, I believe, what God wants for us is to continue to engage in his word, to continue to ask the tough questions about who he is, his real implications in our lives. You know, I'm deeply grieved. I have a friend who now uh, lives in the South, but we would often meet up for a pint and talk about some of these real challenges that, that we knew of people in our lives who really doubted that God even existed. They like, really had a hard time having faith in God. And we would talk about these things and all of these hard questions that they would ask. You know, what does it mean to have faith? If faith is trust, how can I trust something that I've not even seen? Or if I've not seen it, am I really just following blindly? In other words, am I like a lamb that's led to slaughter? Is that really all that faith is? All of these hard questions that I think I'm asking, and I, and I hope that maybe you've asked at some point in your life as well, or maybe you're asking today. You know, questions like, is blind faith enough in God's eyes? Or do I actually have to believe all of those things that I read in the Bible that I struggle to believe in? Can I pray and ask God for faith, and will he give it to me? Tough questions. You know, this, like, when I met up with, for this pint, this wasn't like your pub banter sort of stuff. Like, these are serious questions. And I want to look in return to really two questions tonight. The first is, what does it mean to have faith, especially when things get hard? And the second is, how can I know, how can I have assurance that I've got faith? So our passage for tonight is from Hebrews chapter 11. And we're not going to be able to get into all of it tonight, but I want to rest on just a few pieces from it. And we're going to start just in the beginning. So if you're reading along with me, I'll pop the words up on the screen. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. In faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation 
And by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So just in verse one, we see kind of immediately the inspiration for what I'm calling this talk about faithing it. And what I mean by the word or the phrase faith it is actually that faith is not just something that you are, like a person of faith or a person of trust, but faith is something that we do. In fact, actually, I kind of am upset really that faith is only used as a noun because really it should be a verb. There's like an action of faith. We faith it. And we should all learn what it means to see the reality of faith by learning to faith it. To faith it. What does it look like to faith it in our lives? And I'm not saying fake it, but to faith it. It's action. You know, during the time that this would have been written in Hebrews, it was actually a time when faith itself was really only seen as a virtue, right? And so faith was something that you could possess, but actually it had no impact on the way that you live. And I'm going to actually say, I think that's probably the same today in the world that we live in, that faith is really only seen today as a virtue by society. It's this non-reality. It's this something that is only like an aspect of your internal life. It has no bearing on the way that you actually live. That's how it was seen. You know, we hear this expressed today in a number of different ways. You know, I hear this. People say things like, I really admire people of faith, but that's just not really for me. You know, maybe you're thinking that today and that's okay. Or maybe you, I've heard it expressed this way. I think that faith is this positive force in the world, but actually I don't think that I could really do it or have it. In other words, what society would claim today, what people outside of the church would claim is that faith is not something that should be displayed, that actually it just should guide your own life, that it's internal. And that's not what we're called to do in Hebrews because in Hebrews we're immediately called in verse one to live in the reality of faith. The faith is the evidence of things, is what it says, that we cannot see. And the thing is, there are realities in this world that we don't really have any evidence for. You know, we don't have to look far to see that. But what this is saying is that you don't need to see evidence, like physical evidence, to make something any less real. That actually can be just as real without having seen it. And actually, faith enables us to know that something will exist because in reality what faith is, is it actually gives us genuine certainty. Faith itself as an action gives us certainty in the thing that we can't see. And so we're called as people of faith to live out our faith in real ways. It shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we cannot see. But then it goes on and it says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that, we now see, and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And through their faith, in verse two, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. And I thought about that because actually, 
in my life, if I'm honest, the people who have most inspired me to trust in God, it's been the work that I've seen God do in their lives and the stories and the testimony and the transformation that's happened in their lives. Maybe you have a similar story. Maybe you're just here tonight because actually you have a friend who lives out their faith in a real way and because of their story, you were interested. Maybe that's how you came to faith. And so there's this kind of second aspect of faith that we don't just faith it, that we're people of action, that we live out our faith in real ways, but we also faith up. We faith up. We look to people of example. We look up to those people of example. And because of that, we can have genuine faith that they've trusted God. And so we can as well. I think of like the image of a child who, though this child knows nothing about the real world, trusts his parents, trusts his parents because actually they know the real world. Or maybe we should take the example that it gives us in Hebrews. Though we do not understand the unseen reality, we have faith through the people of the days of old. And it goes on to list a bunch of people in the Bible, if you were to continue reading on chapter 11, of people of the days of old who had faith, and because of their faith, we can believe in the things unseen. We can believe in God because of their faith. And we're not going to have time to get into each one. The list is exhaustive. I mean, the writer of Hebrews just continues on and on with all of these great examples of people of faith. And what I would actually challenge you to do is to, to read this later and actually go and look up those stories of the people in the Bible and see the example that they set because these are incredible testimonies, incredible stories of faith. And when we faith up, actually what we're doing is we're just taking one step at a time. We're not really having to trust everything, but we're trusting someone's story. We're trusting their testimony. We're trusting that God has worked in their life and actually that becomes trust for us. It's like this thing of we do it one step at a time. It's not a leap. I, I don't actually like the kind of phrase, a leap of faith. It's a step of faith that we take one step at a time. We trust in the reputation of the people of the days of old. You know, there's this phrase that's been used for hundreds of years in the church, uh, and it's called the light of faith. And this whole idea of, of taking a leap of faith, kind of the light of faith would say something different about what faith actually is, that faith is like a guiding light, that actually it illuminates our footsteps. And we see this embodied most perfectly in Jesus, don't we, right? The light of the world. And Jesus then calls us to be lights as well. So when we faith up, the way I kind of see it working in our lives is when we're in an obstacle that sort of requires bold faith, maybe call it like a mountain-moving prayer or that mountain that's in your life, what we're doing is we're just trusting God to provide what we need each day through that. We know that he's going to sort the mountain out because he did for the people of the days of old throughout scripture, but we don't have to worry about the whole mountain. We do it one step at a time, one ledge at a time, if you will. Are there any Indiana Jones fans in the room? Like two? This is going to be lost on you. Okay, I love the, the Indiana Jones films. And um, there's this, you might remember this scene. It's the leap of faith scene from The Last Crusade. I just want to play it. I 
I hate that he calls it a leap of faith because it's not. It's a step. He takes one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Um, Or in the words of Martin Luther King Jr., I love, he said once, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And to faith up requires simply that we trust that God's word is true. And we trust the people who've had faith before us. And that's what the guiding light of faith is. And now ultimately, everything in scripture was leading up to that point where Jesus would be the ultimate light of faith in our lives. And so as we read scripture and as we reflect on it, we trust ultimately in the example of Christ, who through his death, through his resurrection, made a way back to God for us. And so we can have the assurance of knowing that through him, we can trust God, that God's paid the ultimate price so that we can have a way to fully trust him. And, you know, as Hebrews 11 sort of goes on this sort of list of all of these people of faith, these are meant to be examples, to be kind of guiding lights in a way. And he ends at the end of this chapter, and we're just going to focus here for just a minute, in verse 32. And this is after he's listed all of these people of faith. So you've got... Enoch, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Rahab, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. I mean, all of these people of faith. So I I encourage you to go and look those up. But he says, after he says all of that, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of the lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But even still, others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. I read that and I think, if this were to happen in my life today, how could I not have faith? How could I not have trust? Yet, how does this end? Actually, it says that they've not even received the full promise of God. They had the faith, having not even received the full promise, yet the full promise, as we'll see in a minute, was reserved for us. Wow, I read those stories and I think, I'm the recipient of the full promise that's been given through Christ, and I don't even have the kind of faith that they did, yet they saw those things. How incredible is that? And so finally, I just want to talk about one last aspect of faith that I've been wrestling with. So faith it, this action of faith, faith up, following in the footsteps of the people of the days of old, those who've gone before us, and finally, faith forward. Faith forward. 
All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for you so that you would, they would not reach perfection without you, without us. This third aspect of faith, faith forward. See, the light of faith doesn't just stop with the, the prophets and the people in the Old Testament. It actually doesn't just stop with Jesus, but it continues. It continues today. When we read this passage in Hebrews, I can't help but think about what Jesus says in Matthew 5, where he says, you're the light of the world. He's talking about his disciples, about the people who follow him, about us. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And so we see this clear image that with Jesus as our light and having trusted in the witness and the faith of those before us, that we're the light of the world, that we're called to be the representatives of trust, of faith to those around us. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. And other people will believe, this is the faith forward part, and trust not because they can see it, but because they can see it lived out in us. And this is the thing that makes the unseen seen. You know, that part of faith at the beginning of Hebrews, the unseen aspect of faith becomes seen when we faith forward, when we live out our faith in a real way. You know, there's this kind of thing where in the world today, people would dismiss faith as just like wishful thinking, you know? or they would identify it with beliefs or practices of, of empty religion. But real faith here is actually seen as this active kind of thing that we live out day to day in our lives. And this is captured not in scripture, but it's living out today. It's continuing today. It's God's living and breathing word. And it's working in and through us. It's most complete today and it will continue to be more complete as we continue forward, as God builds his kingdom on this earth. And it ends in verse 40, and we're going to go just into 12, just a little bit. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. But chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, those people he just talked about, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by fixing our eyes, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated at a place of honor besides God's throne. So if we understand faith as this verb of something that we do in this light of faith of us being an example to others, then we can take our faith and that in itself becomes proof of God's work through Christ and of his work through us. But even if we know these three things, how do we actually display this faith in our lives? Because that's where I kind of land with this. And I don't know if I can fully answer that question for you in the few minutes that I've got left. And I think if we had answered that already, then we probably wouldn't need to be here tonight. And I wouldn't be having that conversation in the pub with my friend. But what does it look like to display it? 
I just want to share briefly something that I've been reflecting on this week that I hope might illuminate this for you. Jesus gives a, a series of short and punchy parables in Matthew chapter 13, and, and the best one is talking about what the king, well, in my opinion, is talking about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who discovers a treasure that's buried and hidden in a field. And he immediately buries it back, goes away, buys the field. And that's where it ends. And it says he has joy. And I think to myself that, and I imagine this joy that the man must have had as he comes having discovered this treasure that's buried in the field. I doubt that he went away, purchased the deed to the property, came back, and then just sat on the buried treasure. What would he have done? He would have dug it up, pulled it out, put it on display for the whole family, the whole world, his whole area to see. Look at the steel that I've gotten, this treasure that I've purchased. I've gotten it. Maybe that's what faith looks like in our lives, is this unseen, buried treasure of the things that we trust God with that really is just calling to be dug up. It's not meant to stay in the ground. It's this treasure of faith that's meant to be pulled up out of the ground, put on display for the world to see. And what I love about this is it means that if this is true, and I believe it is, that there's absolutely nothing in your life that God is gonna let go to waste. That even those areas of doubt in your life, those questions that you've still got about faith, about trusting God fully, he's going to use those, even those, to display his kingdom, to display the richness of what it means to, to have trust and faith in him. Nothing gets wasted. It's all the treasure is dug up. And this joy that comes with it as well, this joy of though we wrestle with these questions of faith, though we hope that we have joy in the journey, and we have joy. And it's, it's like this man who returns to the field this, with this deed. And it's a striking image for us. And so as we sort of finish tonight, I'm not much of an apologist and I certainly would never have stood up here and given you the apologetic reasons for the evidence of faith. But I wanna leave you with wrestling with what it means to have this treasure in your life, this treasure of faith, which we all have. Even if we don't believe fully in Jesus, we have this treasure of faith that we're exploring faith. And we're doing it together. And I hope that the testimony of myself or of others in your life, that that can be a guiding light for you as well. Because that's who we are. We're people that are the light of the world. And that's what we're called to do is to display this treasure of faith to those that we have and those that we live around. So I just want to move into a time of reflection now. Um, the band can come up if they want to. And as we think about what faith means to us, this guiding light, I just wanna ask you to reflect with your eyes closed on what are the real areas where you're, of your life that you're struggling at the moment? Like what are those areas where you're like, I really don't know if I've got the faith, the trust. And we're gonna move into a time of worship and what I wanna do to ask you to respond is to, to simply think about that thing or those things 
Could be the, the stuff of faith that you're struggling with from the week. Could be the big problem that's going on in your life that's been going on for months. I just want to ask you to reflect on that. And, and the boldness of the guiding light of faith would be to, to sort of share those with one another. You know, as we share those with one another, we see the example of testimony from others who we share with, and that becomes our guiding light of faith. So I'm not going to ask you to share, but I think in a time of worship, if you're just feeling like, actually, I really do want to share this, this thing I'm struggling with right now, then what I would just ask you to do is to, to come and find me or, or Leighton, who will be at the front, or just someone next to you, share this thing, and then pray for one another. Share story about where you've seen God's faithfulness, where you've seen God's trust. So let me just pray for us as we move into this time of reflection. Father, we just come to you tonight, um, maybe some of us with questions, maybe some of us knowing we have the assurance of faith, but, but God, I believe in your promise and, in, and I fully trust in you, Father, that actually we can have faith as the thing itself, not just a virtue, but a faith lived out. And God, I pray that you would make it apparent to each one of us tonight that the light of faith is your son, Christ, that the example that he set is enough and God, we would just ask um, that tonight as, we, as we're wrestling with that and as we're thinking about those mountain kind of things that we still are praying about and that we still are trusting you with, God, that you would give us the assurance of knowing that we can have trust and faith in you. That when we faith forward, that trust will then become like a light to others as well. So Father, we ask you just this evening to give us that boldness and give us that faith. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.